Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, folks, my heart is filled with joy. <laughs> That's what it's like to be a retired teacher who reaches back and finds former students who are out in the world thriving and making the results that they can achieve matter greatly to their employers. In this case, I'm smiling big time because I've reconnected with Anthony Calgary, who works at Pratt Whitney, a Raytheon company, and is in the supply chain part of the business where he and his team assure that all of the transactions between the suppliers and the people on the floor that are using those those parts uh, get exactly what they need on time and in perfect condition. When you think of the stakes of something that's going on to a jet engine, you, you want Anthony and his team to be the best. And I can tell you from the 30 minutes or so that you're going to hear me talking with him, and I'm certain that he is great at his job and we can fly safely. <laughs> well, wait a minute. They don't make commercial engines at this particular plant, but uh, it's it's just a, a great pleasure to hear how well uh, Anthony is doing, both professionally in his practice, but also has a nice home, nice family. I think he said two dogs after we stopped talking on on camera. <laughs> so that is the the moment that I want to share with you with a big smile on my face. Anthony Calgary. Folks, I can remember one of my pleasures when I was actively teaching at Central Connecticut State University was to be invited by former students to visit them and their places of work. Uh, sometimes I'd bring other students with me, but one of the last times that I did see Anthony Calgary was at one of his former places of work, and he was very actively involved in moving uh, products, a distribution company in a timely and uh, hopefully uh, low cost way. And I felt he was very comfortable with that role. He, he and two of his other friends who were my former students were happily working there. But as it happens in young careers, this was about 12 years ago, companies change and then I lost track of Anthony. So just a quick bit of history. Anthony, when you left that company, which we will not name, where did you go? When I left that company, I, uh, I was lucky enough to get my foot in the door for Pratt & Whitney into the global supply chain department and as an entry entry level and, and start learning the ins and outs of aerospace. Now that is, now folks who are listening anywhere in the world, here in Connecticut, Pratt Whitney is a premier employer, uh, and it's not an easy thing to come out of uh, a non-engineering program, you're a management major, and, and go into uh, a very selective company. Did you have a, like a relative in there? <laughs> no, no. I, I think what really, really helped was my experience at the, the, my, the other company that we mentioned I, I got my 
grounding and foundation and supply chain and procurement and helping with inventory there that I was able to boost my resume and these big companies with their algorithms. I was lucky enough to have applied during a, a very big hiring spree. Yeah. And, and I was able to fortunately get in. So, yeah. Well, you still have to sit, I think probably back then, maybe in person or at least on a camera with someone who's going to have that hiring decision. Uh, uh, do you remember that interview? I do. So I remember actually applying and then I don't know, a month or two went by and I completely forgot about applying there. And I was, <laughs> I was contacted through a phone, uh, through a phone call. And they asked if I wanted to come out on site for an interview for what they called a super day. And so I went out on site that day and it was like, like speed dating, but for interviews, you sat, sat <laughs> at the table sat at a table and all the different hiring managers that were hiring at the time would, you, you, you would talk with each one for 15 minutes and then on to the next hiring manager. So it was a very unique experience to be in something like that. And you got to, I got to learn all the different types of roles they were hiring for and which one I felt might be better. I might be better suited for. Mm -hmm. And a couple more weeks went by and then I started getting the phone calls and the offers. So it was nice to, it was, it was definitely a unique experience for sure. So you had to make that uh, 15 minute uh, count 15 minutes uh, uh, several times during that speed dating. And one of the hiring managers is, was in the stream of work that you entered in and was hired for. Correct. Yep. Now, I would uh, underscore here that those 15 minutes where you express your strengths, because it's on paper and they can glance at the paper, mm -hmm. where you can put into words with eye contact and heart beating fast what you offer that company, that's practice because you had developed and the resume search found out that you knew supply chain. And that was a big deal, obviously, at a company that was building jet engines. But still, that 15 minutes could have been a flop. Right. Yeah. I mean, as with any interview, it's always stressful. And to have to sell yourself several times within a short amount of time, you, in the back of your head, you're like, oh, did I already... To talk about this point with you? Oh no, that was that was the last one, and you just gotta you gotta be on your toes a little bit, and you want to make sure you cover everything. But it was you learn a lot from each interview. You you get better and better, and you learn the types of questions to ask and what what exactly the interviewer is looking for. They don't want you reading off the resume. They want no. they want to see what's not captured in the resume and. Within the first two minutes, they they know if you would be a good fit. So yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, two minutes, <laughs> and look at your life now. Now you, today, you have a title of what's your title? I'm a senior delivery assurance manager. Senior delivery assurance—that's a key word. Manager. So from that moment, those two minutes <laughs> to now. A little bit has happened, hasn't it? 
Quite a bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've been there almost, almost seven years now. And yeah. my, my first role is what they call them an account specialist mm-hmm. um, supply chain. And in that role, I, I did a mix of writing purchase orders and working with suppliers to deliver those purchase orders. So there was a lot of negotiation, a lot of just learning processes because I never worked aerospace before. No, and it's wicked complex. A lot of red tape. And and you're dealing with a lot of cross-functional teams in areas that I didn't have expertise in. Like talking engineering and blueprints and components. And that's why a part can't deliver because there's an issue. So very, very short window to learn. And But that's where I felt like I learned best is just go learn from practice like you say like there that. you go there I'm you not go gonna learn just from uh just from people telling me i need to learn just being thrown in the fire and yeah being forced to learn yeah well again early early on uh those fires could have sizzled you to the extent that they say well we're not going to move you forward thank you you know we're going in a different direction all this bullshit BS that they throw, you know, and we're basically saying, no, you haven't proven to us that you can do get the results. That's the key word that that matter most to us. So, and that goes at a basic way of thinking about practice. It's about results, and it's not just your results uh, which motivate you as as it would when you're running, you know, on a race or with your wife. However, uh, is this is results that matter to a company that's assembling these very complex machines probably some of the most complex on earth and everything that you worked for to get into that supply chain and on out to the shop had to be perfect right or damn close right absolutely yeah i didn't want the the biggest thing is you want your suppliers to deliver on time but Mm -hmm. want them to deliver to what what we're saying we want, right? They got yeah, to you don't open that box and go, oh no, there's no screws with this. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh no, there's rust on here. What happened here? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the inside, uh, the coming in, the input side. Uh, at this stage, leaping you out to the present, uh, what sort of insurances are you focusing on now? So I, I had a couple of roles in between. Um, I kind of de- developed my own leadership path and learning multiple multiple aspects of the business within supply chain they have a lot of different components so i felt like my my strengths were really in just communicating with suppliers and becoming a subject matter expert of certain of certain areas so that's what got me back into the delivery side of supply chain and mm-hmm. I, after learning this specific unit that I'm in now, I learned all the processes and really developed those relationships with the internal teams that I work with and the external suppliers that really. Oh, yeah, you're really in the, in the middle, aren't you? In the in these roles, yeah. We're we're right in the middle. We we got a we got deliverables to our internal stakeholders and got to work with the suppliers to get to get everything delivered on time, especially to the government. What's your uh, 
how do you charm? I mean, we're talking about human beings between these these companies. We're not just talking about you know hitting a button and making an electric electronic order, even though some of the things you might be able to do that way. But you still have to talk with people on both sides of this uh, business to business transaction. Uh, again, I'm in two minutes or less. Tell me why you're so good at it. What is it that they hear when you're talking to them, Anthony? I think the biggest thing is just transparency. I, I, people don't like just to be told something they want to hear. They tell them like it is. Tell them you, you all have the same goal. You want to deliver these products to your customer. You want the customer to be happy with the product. You want it on time. And if there's fires and urgencies going on, like you, you got, you can't beat around the bush. You got to be transparent with them and. And I think that's a, that's a big thing. And another one is just picking up the phone and talking to people. People get, yeah, people get too comfortable working via email uh, and being able to pick up the phone and make that call is a big conversation. It really helps develop the relationship. Yeah. And especially when you have local suppliers, it's let's go on site. Let's, let's have a, instead of having a weekly, instead of having our, review on the phone this week let's sit in a conference room and, and go over everything so i think the, the, there's many ways to develop that relationship but that's kind of where i think helps so be the most be as clear direct honest and present 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 so either on site or even when someone is communicating with you they don't get the feeling that while you're talking to them, let's say on the phone, you're also doing two things alone or you're on Zoom with them, but or whatever you guys use, uh, but they're looking down at their phone. You're looking down at your phone. I mean, that kind of split uh, attention is tough in any kind of retail or any kind of sales or whatever you name. People really are put off from it. But if you're consistently the guy, they say, let's call Anthony. We'll get this done right. Right. In a company where they don't suffer fools, and most of the suppliers are extremely serious, particularly the ones I've met here in Connecticut, that they want the next contract. So they're not going to uh, let anything get loosey-goosey. Is that so, or am I just making it up? Oh, you're not making it up. It's they're they're always looking for more business, and it's cutthroat, right? If you're not gonna, if the suppliers are having issues and quality issues and not delivering on time, the somebody there's a supplier waiting to win that next bid. So you got to make sure your suppliers are aware of what they need to deliver and when so that they can meet these contracts. And I think, I mean, we're, we're in the cap aerospace capital of the world, I think over here in Hartford with all the small manufacturing. Yeah. More so than ever. Yeah. The competition is, is great. So. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, I might have taken your class to uh, one of the suppliers, which would be GKN aerospace structures. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have the cars follow me in there to show people really was a green, it was a greenfield startup with uh, Tony Cachese. It was a really neat guy. And he 
Laurie Reese and several others would come and speak to our class. Did you have any recollection of that? I don't think my class went on site there at the time. Okay. Yeah. But being having that immersion on my part, because uh, I spent a lot of time learning with them about unshadowing how they were building the company that was making essentially the cowlings to com composite resin, com carbon resin composite cowlings, which is on the, for the new strike fighter. And it was a lot, of, a lot of pressure, but they had a culture that supported truth. Mm -hmm. That was how Tony laid it out from the beginning. Tell me the truth. I, I will not lose my, uh, not on it. I will listen because, and so I learned that that in order to be a, a supplier to your company from the very beginning, there was no guarantees and a lot of money was being spent to build up that uh, workforce and equipment and all the rest still doing good work. And, and I don't know if it's one of your supplies, you don't have to say so, but uh, I've seen the other side of where your conversations go. And they really do rely on when they would say, well, the person from Pratt is coming out to look. It, it was like quick, you know, hide, <laughs> hide everything under the table. No, it's like the person from Pratt's coming. So let's let's uh, open ourselves up and because what they need, we have. And right now we've got a, a, a partnership. Right. And it, a lot of it's still like that when, when you go to these suppliers, like they want to, they want to show you all this new technology they're investing in their companies and these new capabilities because the, the industry is evolving so fast and, the, and even Pratt and Whitney's products have to evolve at such a fast pace. So the industry is just trying to stay on top of all the technology and machinery that they can. So that way, these ramp ups and production can be met. What's it like out on that? I know there's more than one shop there, but what's it like when you walk out there to talk to you know with one of the team leaders about you know their supply issues? Is it noisy? <laughs> Is it bright? Is it? I mean, I yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's noisy. These machines are running running full time with with big large chunks of metal or whatever the whatever the um commodity is and mm -hmm. they're they're working around the clock to get these out and you, you see these all the inspector tables they're busy at work inspecting the tools the shipping docks are full so it, it, it's a busy busy business for sure yeah how does it feel i mean are you is it exciting for you to be out there seeing it all happening it is. I, I I personally like having that ability to go to these suppliers and seeing some of the some of the tools and equipment we're purchasing. Just if I was sitting at a computer all day and mm. just seeing part numbers and oh cool, this part number is getting worked on, it delivered, yay! And to me, it's a part <laughs> number, but being on the floor and seeing how little it is or how big it is, you're like oh, that's what I'm buying, and it really puts a puts into perspective all the little intricacies that go into making a part and oh yeah and then getting it up onto those those engines and uh there's even there's so much to it uh i get a sense and i remember this about you from way back that you 
you, you like competition in the good sense of competition. You like to be part of something that's got energy and is happening. And now if you were to be asked to do nothing but a paper, paper pencil job at that company and put you in a cubicle and say, okay, just make sure the paperwork's good. How long do you think you'd last? <laughs> it depends on the pay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah. by the way, we'll double your pay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'll do that. <laughs> well, you know, there are some people, many people who uh, reach the senior level that you're at now in terms of the performances you're doing, but also they may start looking ahead to say, well, we want to put you in a manager side of things, which does tend to be, uh, more, you know, watching the spreadsheets and PowerPoint and, presentations. Oh yeah. Lord, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think. Uh, are you attracted to that potential? You know, I I like being able to. I, this is my my first time moving up where I have a team under me where that reports directly to me now, and it, you know, I'm constantly learning that and already putting together a lot of presentations and whatnot. But what I like is I'm able to, I have a lot of requirements that are expected of me, but I could also have a lot of that empowerment to make the role what I want it to be too. So I could right. delegate certain tasks. I could take on certain tasks and I'm going to use my team to utilize our strengths. So yeah. It's for something that somebody else might have been doing, but they might not have really enjoyed it or been good at, maybe I'll take that because I like it and then I'll hand off some of the yeah their technical work to them. So I like having that freedom and being able mm -hmm. to work with my team and yeah. making sure everyone's happy with what they're doing. And well, that's a that's a very good way to prepare yourself for whatever comes next. Now, in regard to your team, uh, are they mainly seasoned people, or are you bringing some new new Anthony's up into or, and and Antonia's up into your into your team? So right now, it's a team I've been working with since I joined this particular team three years ago. Okay, so, so you're you're moving from being a member to a senior leader, yeah. right? And that's a part I have to work around because they were yeah. my colleagues for three years and now yeah. I'm managing them. It's um, a classic issue. Yeah. Yeah. Do so I still so, go out for a beer with, with Anthony? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So I think what, what's helped is I was a good teammate for them too. So yeah. Then, yeah. I've I enjoyed working with them and they enjoyed working with me. So it's made this transition definitely a little on the easier side for sure. Yeah. And you are you are the next uh, you are the linkage to the next tier on behalf of that team. And as right. you say, you make presentations, so it could be comforting to them to know you as well as they do, and know that you're the one who's in there advocating, you know, for their needs uh, and explaining things uh, that that need to be explained. So that that's I, a nice nice match. I think that's what what helped too is. I worked in the weeds with them, right? I was in the trenches with them. I know what it's mm -hmm. like. So they, they yeah. understand that. So, yeah. What is it working with your, now you're, are you reporting to a, a director or someone at that level? How's that relationship work, work out? Yeah, that's been very good. I think what's really helped me in this role was 
my previous manager had put me on the path to become in this to come in this role and I was his deputy for the last year and a half so I was oh, that's deputy. great I was already getting a taste of a lot of these these higher up meetings these mm-hmm. presentations I was helping him assemble it and sometimes I'd help go to those meetings and present it so I got the visibility for a while I developed those relationships so that when it came time I just was able to step right in I didn't have to like reintroduce myself to many people. So that's terrific. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, in the last few minutes, I, I would love to have folks here. The, the benefit that one has of graduating from our school, as you did um, over 10 years ago, going through what you've gone through and, re- and spoken to us about, and now you've established yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have a home, right? I have a I have a beautiful home, beautiful family, beautiful neighborhood with a lot of friends, same age, and it's it's been great. What town are you in? I'm out in Coventry. Yeah, it's a yeah. beautiful area. I mean, it's a, and there's a lake. <laughs> and, a lake yeah. and you're not too far from uh, uh, UConn, which we used to call the safety school to CCSU, right? <laughs> But being down, being close to UConn is pretty could be pretty exciting too because they've it's grown and they've got a lot going on and and yet it's it's a it's a very nice area in in in, in fact with, especially with our kids it's nice we're, we're less than fifteen minutes down the road from UConn we can just take them to a basketball game and yeah exactly not have to break the bank for it. <laughs> And take him to the what? Well, let me do a little history, fear and history. When I was in the doctoral program at UConn, my kids were, uh, you know, three and one or four and two. And we'd bring them up from Mansfield Center to the pond where they would feed those voracious ducks. Is they still doing that, or maybe they don't allow that anymore? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm We're not talking sure. almost well, 50, more than 50 years ago, because both of my kids are in their 50s. But that was one of the pleasures. And then there was a puppet tier. Uh, if you ever come across it, they had a puppet theater there, a ballad puppets, mm-hmm. and it, that was a big treat. The kids would go because he, they were, it's a puppet program. I don't know if they still have that at UConn. I I, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. Yeah, you should. How old are your children? Three and seven months. So three yeah. years old and seven months. So yeah, and uh, the three-year-old probably gets a little uh, when he's at at the pavilion and a basketball game, and hears that crowd. I don't know. Either he's thrilled by it, or he's got his head stuck under your arm. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're still uh, you know the the short attention spans and yeah. Just trying to expose them to all the different sports and fun things outside just running around in the yard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anthony, you are what I worked for so hard for 30 years at CCSU. I don't know if you knew it was all concentrated on you, (laughs) Uh, but in a way it was because uh, uh, I've had a vision and I had it all along that because we were a working school, you know, people worked their way through our school 
some had one or two jobs. We had an ethic there that we, everyone had a, a very challenging course load and they still did it. So when someone would graduate from Central, uh, they were the, the momentum was already there. They, mm-hmm. they could move into a, a responsible role and, and keep on working. So, uh, but I would love, I loved mm-hmm. to picture the kind of future you just described where I could look across a classroom and I look at someone and say, boy, wouldn't it be great someday they'll own their own home, have some kids if they want them, maybe a cat and a dog, a nice, a nice partner and live in a neighborhood with people who talk across the fence and, and kick up a volleyball game every once in a while or throw a basketball in someone's yard. That is the dream. And I'm so, so happy for you to have uh, achieved that. And you got a lot more good stuff ahead. Absolutely. And I could definitely credit all, probably this whole career to you because it all started when I reached out to you. I wasn't happy at the bank. I reached out to you, used my network, and you put me in contact with a former student. Yeah got me my first like office supply chain job so exactly really set me on this path so i, I do remember that I, I now you brought it up i remember you were thank goodness you were unhappy <laughs> yeah thank goodness i was unhappy <laughs> and thank goodness i liked calling former students and saying hey i've got a guy or i've got a woman yeah. you should talk to them so that, that's a that's a great pleasure. Well, thank you again, Anthony Calgary, and uh, I will uh, look forward to another time to catch up. Maybe another child from now. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic. An Apple Podcasts or go to anactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to anactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.